Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. All right. Good evening, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of Bry Island Disc. This is, I believe, the third one of um, the new year. So, yeah, good stuff. And tonight we have the incredible uh, Mr. Laurent Johnson. Is that right? Uh, Lawrence Fine. Lawrence Fine. Yeah. Lawrence Johnson. Yeah. So yeah. great to have you in. A master of languages, of course. And uh, yeah, welcome to the studio. Well, thank you for having me, as the Americans say. Not at all, not at all. Um, so we've got a quick start question for you, and uh, tonight we're gonna we're gonna throw out. Um, so obviously this is by Island Disc. So um, what luxury item and what book would you bring to your desert island? And uh, talk to me about why you chose. Well, why you would choose both respectively? Okay, I mean, <laughs> I'm sort of toying between two luxury items. The first one's really boring. I think I'm turning fifty this year, so my own bed would be a luxury item on a desert island. That's really boring, so we'll probably scrap that one. Um, I'm going to be a bit nerdy here and go for Wordle. Right, 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 yeah. Being, being you know, I don't think you can lose any five-letter words. They're, they're very important to get through modern life, so I wouldn't like to lose my wordsmithery on a desert island, so Wordle will keep me going. It's good, like, brain teaser, I think, for, like, you know, the start of start yeah. of the day, I think, every yeah. day. I think it's nice. That's a good choice. And to be honest, with the bed, I, 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 can, <laughs> I hate to say it, I'm, I'm 17, and I, and I agree. I think you can't really beat a... You right. can't really beat a bed. It's uh, pretty pretty comfortable. And um, uh, so a book, what kind of, what, was there any specific book genre you'd lean towards? Well, the thing is, um, I, I did a literary degree and I've kind of fed up with all the classics, to be honest. So I've got into this sort of modern stuff by modern writers and they're, they're quite light, really. But I, I'm into, at the moment, I'm reading a really great, what's the, what's the seven version of a trilogy? Should we call it a septology? Yeah, why not? It sounds, it sounds about <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, um, and it's by Lucinda Riley, and um, it's all about seven sisters who are all adopted uh, from different families, and it's their story, and they all um, represent stars of the Pleiades, and there's lots of stuff going on there. Or a mer- medieval murder mystery would be my other genre. I know it's a bit narrow, but that's good fun. Could you narrow it down to a, a a single book at all, or just kind of is that the genre? Just uh, yeah, I mean anything. Any, yeah, um, well, do you know the Shard Lake? Series? Right, right, right. Yeah, anything from that. Not too familiar, but yeah, heard, heard, kind of heard it rattle around here yeah. and there. That's, yeah. that's cool. That's, good. that's really yeah, really cool. it's got Henry VIII in it. Yeah, um, right. Stuff okay. like yeah, that. So sure. um, it's really good. No, it's fiction. It's historical fiction. Um, plausible, but probably totally bonkers. Uh, but it's it's very well researched um, and. It, the author's got this amazing ability to bring to life the smells of the time and really describe what everyday life was like. I mean, in the history books, we, we obviously look at things like uh, dates and you know, and events and trends of, of what's going on. But to actually bring the everyday life of the everyday person to, to life like that is, is quite a masterful art. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that would probably be my one, the Shard Lake series. Right, right, right. And you, you know, you mentioned kind of like Henry VIII kind of popping up here and there. Are you kind of a fan of, are you kind of quite a historian? Are you, I is love that a history. pastime of yours? I love history. Right. If I was, if I could do my time again, <laughs> um, I would definitely have done um, at least half my degree in history because that's what I watch on telly. That's, you know, I, I visit a lot of historical places. Um, I, I just find the whole movement of history um, just fascinating. Um, so, yeah. Um, Anything historical is great. Um, I'm, I'm also really into politics more recently. I mean, it's, it's quite a time to be a politics um, teacher, I'd have thought. 
So I'm quite envious of those with all, all that's been going on in the last 10 years or so in particular. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some, yeah, no, there's no time like the present, I think. You know, yeah. with, with kind of what's happening recently, I think, you know, the last kind of decade or so, as you say, it's been a, a quite a quite an impressive, I guess, time for politicians to really, you know, enjoy what they're doing, really. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely... I envy them too, actually. And certainly entertain us along the way, if that's quite the right yeah, word. Yeah, I guess it is almost entertaining in a way. Yeah, um, yeah well, <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll leave that there. Um, so, no, politics. And uh, so, history. So, you know, you're travelling and, um, you know, kind of visiting uh, bits and pieces mm. which kind of inspired your history, um, you know, kind of passion. Is there, is there anything else where you kind of enter... Um, you know, documentaries, or did you kind of pick it up in school, or your um, friends thing? Or well, I, I think it's kind of an extraordinary link to the course I did at university as well. French, it's modern languages, so French and German. And take for example, German. Um, I love the city of Berlin. It's got this fascinating twentieth-century history. Um, it's you know, it's an amazing multicultural place now, um, which is surprisingly cheap to live in. I understand. Um, and wherever you go, there's just history everywhere. And, um, you know, the Cold War, you've got the whole regeneration and, and, you know, all the changes that have taken place since 89, the fall of the wall. It's just an amazing, fascinating place. And that's just the 20th century. So, yeah, it all kind of ties in. Definitely. And honestly, there's there's so much to talk about. I mean, history, it's, you know, it's, it, it gets bigger and bigger, quite literally, as, you know, history yeah. gets, as, as we, you know, we move further. Um, so, but anyway, talk to us a little bit about your, your first track um, you've got here. Is it, um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, is that right? Yeah, that's by U2. I was yes. totally obsessed by U2 when, in my late teens, uh, well, mid to late teens. Um, the Joshua Tree came out and um, just sort of blew me away. It's the most amazing album. And it's very much time when you would listen to a whole album i think today I, I, I don't know do you listen to whole albums or do you listen to tracks or you know oh uh, i guess i'm more of like a pop singles kind yeah, of yeah, <laughs> I, I guess but yeah i, I think i think we all are really but this yeah, was this is an album that's really worth listening to from the beginning to the end and it's sort of a lovely development there's some amazing tracks on there um it's a bit difficult to pull one track off um I'm hoping the version you've got is actually not on the joshua tree it's it's oh, they had a follow-up album called uh, rattle and hum which was actually a film um, where they kind of go around America being, you know, excited about Americana. And um, the reason I've chosen this particular version um, is that it kind of brings the song back to its own roots. So it's, in essence, an, a gospel song. Um, and, you know, the, the title is, is is really a spiritual search. Um, but I think you can apply it to all sorts of levels. So, um, you know... Have you had that feeling when you, you buy the one thing you really want, you get it home, you do whatever, you know, like a new computer or whatever, you do mm. it, and then you want the next Can't thing. You know? Yeah, right. It's always right, wanting right. more. Um, <clears throat> obviously, on a spiritual level, that's very different. Um, but there's some great lines in there. Um, and I was thinking about tomorrow, um, this morning's amazing assembly on uh, Black History Month as well. And there's a line in there about, um, you know, when perfection comes, that all the colours will bleed into one, you know. Um, and... Um, what happens in this particular version, I hope it is this one now, um, you two, um, well, they didn't accidentally wander into a church uh, of gospel singers, but but that's how it looks on the film. And uh, they, they play their bit, and then slowly um, the gospel singers come in and ultimately take over the song. And the, the powerful voices are so, so beautiful. And um, I always like listening to this track, and I thought it'd be nice to share it. Definitely, no. What a wonderful story. Let's listen to it now. Your station for Brian School. This is Bry Radio.
Okay, welcome back everyone, and what a great kind of little interlude we had there. A nice little U2 song. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great to have Mr. Johnson here. So, um, you, you, I, well, you are the head of languages here at Bryanston, and yeah. you know, you are incredibly multilingual. Um, I, I, I don't even think I can count how many kind of languages you're pretty familiar with. Where did that kind of spiral from originally? Where did you kind of grow your passion for that? Uh, it probably started like where it often starts. I just had a really great teacher at school who inspired me, Mr. Barker, who was so uh, annoyed with teaching. He went off to be a painter and decorator, I understand. But um, he was also the rugby coach and the cricket coach and, and you know, he inspired a lot of passions in me in, in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have had otherwise. So he got me into French. Um, I did one of those things where you join the school at a weird time and, you know, I had to kind of make up three years of French in an afternoon, more or less. And, um, you know, I just took to it, uh, really enjoyed it. And then when I went to my next school, I picked up German. Uh, same again, uh, good teachers, and just went from there. So just what kind of really one after the other, kind of like adding into collection as you... <laughs> as you um, Yeah, you know, well, well I mean, I've got an interesting in words and etymology, and, you know, um, I was... I was I'm going to plug Latin here. Um, I wouldn't be where I am without Latin. And, um, you know, Latin really gripped me in terms of, um, you know, just... just what you can do with words, the arrangement on the page, the, the case endings is a little bit of a logical puzzle, which I really enjoyed. And, you know, I was able to transfer between, you know, the skills of that to French and German. Um, and um, you're flattering me a bit. I don't, I don't speak many more languages than that. I mean, I've got a, a, a very small splattering of a few others, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, wish to talk any further about those. Uh, we'll stick to the good ones. Um, but I think... The other thing about languages is, um, you know, the ability to travel, to, to experience cultures in the original language. And ultimately, it comes down to people. And, um, you know, there's a lot of enmity in this world, but people are people. And if you can communicate with them in their own culture and their own setting and language, you, you've, you've created a bridge to, to something else. You know, you've, you, you've made a friendship um, and the world's a slightly better place. Um, you've also enriched yourself. Um, you maybe become a little bit more understanding of how other people tick and how people see the world, and that helps you to see the, your own world and, and you know challenge your own preconceptions and things. So there's a lot more to it than you know the old Omoa Massa Matt, as it were. Yeah, definitely. It's highly philosophical in a way. I think it's uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it is a way of kind of compassion, almost love in a way to be able to speak a breadth of languages. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's incredible. Um, I'm going to be honest. Um, I might be totally wrong here, but I, I don't think languages really really sat with me as well as I wish it wish it could have done. I was saying the other day actually that um, uh, one of the best things I think to take away from school, I think maybe the best skill if you could take one, would, would be the ability to learn a language. It's so translatable in a way. Um, did you find any language particularly harder? Well, did you find French or German or any other really language um, particularly hard to learn than than another one? I mean, I, I guess there's. Maybe there's some similarity, but again, it's a whole yeah, different, it's, different country. It's a personal thing. I mean, I mean, if you um, when you won, when you've learned one language, it's much quicker to learn another one. Um, and my German sort of came in the wake of the French, I suppose, and was able to go faster. And that's that's a very common experience. Um, when I was about thirty-eight, I, I decided it might be a good idea to try and learn some Mandarin. And, um, you know, when you sort of reach your plateau, <laughs> I tried that and I was absolutely dreadful at it. And it's a totally different skill set. Um, and they do say you've got to be good at art and uh, maths. Um, you know, that, that they tend to be um, two very good indicators of how good you might be at Mandarin. Um, I was good at maths, but I was terrible at art. So it all fell apart. 
Um, but it was good. Um, again, I learned a lot. So I learned a lot on the cultural side. Um, I can remember about four words, and I occasionally use them um, with a very bad accent. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was good while it lasted. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I, I've I, I know one sentence in a, in Mandarin, but I, I won't wish to offend anyone. So <laughs> I um I probably uh, for my accent, I probably I won't I won't say anything. But um yeah, no, it's uh <laughs> it's it's great to to be able to uh, kind of show off in a way uh, here and there with them. Um, mm with uh, some language um you talk about culture did you did you kind of get quite hands-on with culture did you travel or did you know were you kind of more did you kind of research through through home how, how did you um really it, i think there's no there's experience? absolutely no substitute to being there so yeah yes i travel a lot in france and a, and a lot in germany um and you know we'd like to think of france as france as an entity it's, it's a huge place with different accents left right and center different cultures north and south West and East, um, <clears throat> excuse me, same in Germany, um, Austria, Switzerland, any of these places you go. So, and then, you know, you, you've got the whole literature and music, art, which you can do from home. But again, it all comes down to the people ultimately. I think so. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, they're all different communities. Um, but no, 100%, I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, Mr. Johnson, you've got your second track here, I believe. Um, oh, I believe it's Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Great song. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Talk to me a little bit about, about why you chose this song. Well, um, when Definitely Maybe came out, um, I think it was 92, 93. Uh, it was 93. Um, I was living in Germany at the time, I was doing a year abroad as part of my degree. And um, I kind of missed out on the big Oasis surge, but it was it was huge. You could feel it from Germany, and this was pre-internet and everything. you know. And, and um, when I came back... I kind of missed a lot of the big Oasis stuff. And then the second album came out. And I, in my own opinion, it's one of those few albums that are better than the first album. Um, they talk about the, the, the third album being the really tricky one, but quite often the second album's a little bit disappointing. This one, I think, just took it to another level. The, the energy of the first one was translated into a slightly more... Uh, it's really hard to express, but a sort of deeper level somehow. I mean, that's a weird thing to say about Oasis because usually their words don't make sense at all. But, but musically, it just went somewhere else. And, and I picked this particular track because, um, I don't know, it's got... Um, I sh- uh, to be honest, I should hate this particular record because um, when it came out, I'd left university and I'd started my first career, which turned out to not be right. Uh, so I left that career and I found myself... Um, doing some odd jobs and one of these odd jobs was working in a factory um, in pool actually and uh, my job was to take apart telephones which had been used by engineers and flight engineers and they were covered in muck you know and I had to sort of clean them and then being the sort of dog's body I had to pass them to someone else to put back together so my job was really to be up to my neck in, you know, well, my elbows, in, you know, soap suds and some quite nasty things which you'd spray on it to get all the stickers off. Um, and this song was being played non-stop on the radio all day long, so at least once every half hour. So, you know, I probably heard it 16 times a day. So I really should hate this song. But despite all that, <clears throat> um, it just it just sticks there. I mean, everyone knows this song. It's a, it's a great... Um, it, uh, it's been described as a song of defiance. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great sort of um, stadium song to sing along to. Um, a song of defiance is about Sally who looks back on her life and says, I've got no regrets and I'm just going to walk on by, you know. Um, but more recently, it's taken on other other meanings. Um, um, that horrific 
terrorist attack um, in Manchester, um, Ariana Grande, that, that yeah. concert. Um, and, you know, there was the, the press were there and they were looking at it all and, and someone just started singing this song and it became that, again, a, a proper song of defiance against that act. And um, it's amazing how songs can do that sometimes. That's just totally out of the blue and it's now associated with that. And it's taken on a few meanings as well, like when um, England inevitably got knocked out of the cup in, in Russia in 2016, this became the song of, you know, <laughs> it's all right, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just a, an uplifting song, which, you know, um, I think a lot of people love. How powerful. Yeah, no, let's hear that now. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. And the world, I'm turning inside out. Yeah. I'm floating around in ecstasy.
wonderful. Uh, and we're back, which is pretty good. And uh, and yeah, Mr. Johnson, we're having a little chat in the break, uh, talking a little bit about hobbies. Can you, um, and, you know, kind of place where you grew up. Let's, uh, yeah, should we talk a little bit about your hobbies? What kind of, you know, you could be any age, I think, and you can kind of have the same hobbies uh, kind of carrying through from when you're a child, maybe to when you're, you know, uh, deep into adulthood. What kind of, is there any hobbies that you have taken from your young life into you know into adulthood really well, you've characterized that incredibly well because um i would say lego is very much a hobby um and probably also i would say the star wars franchise uh which you know 1980 well when did the first one come out i remember now is it 70 something 77 um and the star wars franchise as well um <clears throat> you know my way to decompress at the end of term uh, used to be to just put the Empire Strikes back on and then everything was okay with the world. Um, and in the 2000s, um, some brilliant person decided to combine the two and they created Lego Star Wars. Um, and, you know, I didn't actually realise they'd done it for a while. Um, and then, you know, that opened a whole new, well, galaxy of, of, of fun, you know, because, um, you know, I've got a nice Death Star now made of Lego. Um, I've built some really great sets and um, I've got a lot of sets I haven't made, um, which just sounds really naughty. But um, I feel a bit like the guy, in, you know, in Lego, you know, the Lego movie. The, I feel like the evil chap who has to have everything perfect and doesn't let the kids play freely with Lego. I mean, the whole point of Lego really is to build your own imagination you know so you've got the whole pile of bricks and you you build it and you see where it goes and you know my children are great at that when they were growing up they, they would actually oh my god this is embarrassing for them but they, they'd come into the bedroom first thing in the morning um when the parents are still trying to sleep we've all been there and um you know they would sort of build a lego model for us and it was great it was really good um i'm the boring guy that follows the instructions i would always follow the instructions and build the sort of perfect set you know um and they they did all that too, but I think the creative side's the the, the proper bit of Lego, you know. So, so I like to have my sets. I like to make them, take them apart, put them in the bags, and then they're ready to go again. Um, it's the gift that keeps on going. Every kid should do Lego. No, that makes both of us. I kind of am a bit of a book nerd and kind of stick by the instructions too. <laughs> I have to be really. So yeah, I just I I do like the finished product, um, how it turns out. Um, you mentioned Star Wars as well. Can you? Well, for all the Star Wars fans out there, can you kind of pinpoint a specific, well, saga, really, or a favourite film of the uh, kind of yeah, well, I, the three I, trilogy? You have yeah, to describe you, it to I us. mean, I, I have some friends who would shoot me if I didn't say the, the first three are the best three. I mean, it's, it's a fact. Um, the first one was, you know, revolutionary. I wasn't actually very Star Wars aware when it first came out, but I did see, I was a bit young for that one, but... I saw, um, I remember Darth Vader um, revealing who he really is. I won't do the spoiler because I'm sure there's no one knows. Um, and that was good. Um, and then I thought, I thought the third one's a bit disappointing with the, you know, um, what's that big green guy called? Come on, I'm having brain freeze. Jabba the Hutt. Yes, right, that, right, that was, right. I thought it was a little bit disappointing, that one. Um, I'm a big fan of um, the third one, which is where... Darth Vader, well, Anakin transforms into Darth Vader. Right. Uh, of the three first trilogies, yeah. um, that's probably um, the best. Um, yeah, but um, it was really interesting because when you look at the, the models which um, 
George Lucas was working, all his technicians were working with, they're, they're the real sort of ones you can hold in your hand. They're, they're amazing in the sets. And, and the trouble is, um, you know, all this sort of CGI stuff came out and everyone was saying, oh, you know, George Lucas and his imagination, imagine what he can do with it with now, you know, if they remade Star Wars now. And of course he did exactly that and it was terrible because it lost that originality. It became too perfect and, you know, the, the backgrounds were just too perfect. Um, and he changed his narrative style. And, and I think the other thing he did was he wrote it himself. Yeah, he's a great script writers, but he, you know he's a great filmmaker, but not so good on the script. So the first the, the first three, which are the second three, were a bit disappointing. Um, and we will not say too much about seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, yeah. I think but stick to the originals. Reasons. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I think most even non Star Wars fans will kind of be able to agree with you on that one. Um, uh, now, and I mean, this was, I assume quite a, a prominent and influent part of your of your childhood, uh, Star Wars in general. Yeah. Are there any other kind of films that shot out to be, um, you know, kind of quite crucial in kind of developing who you were as a person? You know, anything that kind of stuck out between you and your friend group that you'd think, right, let's go and have mm. a pizza and go around our friend's house and well, there was always film. There was always James Bond. Mm, 100%, um, you can't get away from James Bond. Um, I, I grew up in the, uh, the era of uh, Roger Moore, um, which... You know, my dad was very much a, a Sean Connery, so there's lots of conversations yeah, about right, that. Right. Very different portrayals. Uh, the other one, um, I wouldn't say it kind of influenced me because if it did, I'd be amazed, but um, and I'd be really proud of it. But yeah, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Again, Harrison Ford. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Swashbuckling with his whip and his hat, and you know, running away from the boulders. Oh, he's good. It's, it's not quite the <laughs> life really I good. have, but you know, if I could choose oh, I one, yeah, you know, that makes sense of us. Yeah. yeah, going to sort of defeat the Nazis and get to the Ark first. You mm. know, oh, that'd be quite a good life, but uh, sadly not. No, no, that makes again. <laughs> we back, can wish. Back to Dorset. <laughs> and with James Bond, actually, um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but is there any? Um, well, uh, with um, like no, not judging at all, but uh, you know, with uh, Daniel Craig uh, retiring from his mm. role, hanging up his uh, his hat as James Bond, is there any? Uh, is there any person? Or is there any one name that you kind of would stick out to be right? You know, they're my favourite. Um, you know, I really could see them playing a great James Bond. I would endorse um, Idris Elba. I think he would be absolutely fantastic. I really, really would love. That. I think he'd bring great character to the yeah, role as well. I've seen him in a couple of films. Luke, yeah. uh, Luke, you know, he's 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 great, really. And uh, yeah, I think he'd be. I think he's a cool villain actually mm. as a character. But I think uh, you know he could bring a lot to the he role. Could too, really pull it off. Definitely. Well, let's see what happens. Have you got a tip? Do you, who do you think is going to get it? Uh, I don't actually think it will be Idris Elba. I hate to say it. I think he's. Um, I'm not sure how badly he wants it, and I also right. think um, he's also 50 now. I think he's 50, uh, late 40s, maybe about 50. So I'm great not age. Sure <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's um, something you know, kind of thinking right. about long term. I'm not sure. Might not be doing his own stunts. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know. I'd re- he'd be my top choice too. Um, now, moving on to your, um, I believe, fourth choice we have now. I know there's a little kind of a, a slight uh, technical slip uh, <laughs> last time, but uh, not to worry. We have uh, we Now, flu. Don't Stop Me Now from Queen. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I mean, Freddie Mercury, he's he's my hero, really. Um, so growing up, watching him just cavorting all over the stage, he's a, he's the consummate showman. Um Queen music's good. It's not necessarily the greatest music. It's sort of glam rock, but it's always a lot of fun. We always used to have Queen on in the car on family holidays. So long trips from rugby, where I used to live, down to Devon, was or or even Dorset. Um, you know, happy memories of that. And this song is just really 
Freddie having a great time. Um, I think it was in the 70s. Yeah, the 70s. Um, and it's just a great track that makes you feel happy. Wonderful. Let's hear it now. Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. As you say, Freddie Mercury, I don't think you can really beat it sometimes. Um, so, um, yeah. And you also, I believe, you mentioned, Mr. Johnson, um, a couple of breaks ago um, about uh, working in a factory um, yeah. and, you know, being quite hands-on, quite labour-orientated. Um, mm. And talk, talk, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, that seemed like a really kind of interesting, interesting job. Yeah, uh, um, it wasn't, I promise you. Um, it, it, was, it was very um, repetitive, all day long, very wet hands all day long, you know, and it's one of those things where you can't really wait to go home. But I think it's important to do things like that because, um, you know, 
some people that will be their working life um, forever. You know, and you you kind of you realize how lucky you are not to necessarily be doing that. And um, you know, straight out of university, really. Um, and it, it's I think we we all need to do all sorts of jobs to teach us what we want to do and what we don't want to do. And um, it was soon after that that I applied to be a teacher. Um, I that was slightly by accident because I was just going to do a job for a few uh, months in the school, and then I decided I liked it, and the school said, "We'll train you up," and that's everything. So, yeah, I, I've worked in a few factories, um, and um, you know, it's quite interesting. Um, it's hard work, and the pay's not great. So um, it, was, it was a good forming experience, really. Yeah, definitely. I think, as you said, you, you really do need to try a variety of things before you really can kind of hone in on what you want to do. Otherwise, you, you don't really know, as you mm. say. Um, mm. Is there um, is there kind of one, could you pin down one kind of key lesson or one key skill, really, that you um, took away from an environment like that, a real eye-opening uh, environment? Um, good question. I think probably um, the people I was working with were, were really nice people, and um, you because you were sort of standing next to each other all day long, you kind of had to get on. So uh, you know, I think that's one thing you learn at school, isn't it? That you know, getting on with someone is a really important skill because that can be a very long day if you <laughs> didn't like the person working next to you and you didn't make an effort. Um, but I think that's probably it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I didn't learn much else. No, it's, yeah, as, I think, as you say, I think one of the biggest things you can kind of take away is kind of um, what, you know, kind of some, some you know, opportunities that some people will get aren't, you know, mm. or completely different to others' mm. uh, opportunities uh, mm. and job prospects. It's, it's really eye-opening. And again, in an environment like Bryce, it's kind of hard to really visualise that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? You can't always see the opportunities that are in front of you, and you can't always see the point of something you might be doing in a lesson. And it's not so. Someone said once that um, education is all about what you remember when you've forgotten everything you learnt. Right. You know, and it is those skills of getting on with each other, being organised. You know, the whole Bryanston method, uh, all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, that it really does matter. Uh, but I might not remember all my chemical equations, but right now that doesn't matter to me. But you know, the disciplines I learnt whilst dealing with those are important hugely no hugely fundamental yeah. um now mr so i apologize we're slightly time pressured but um we'll move on to your your fourth song uh, i think we've got here um as um another day of sun um yeah. by, by yeah. la la land um so yeah um talk to me talk to me um, you know it's really interesting well, well why the, this song? It's, it's the opening um song from la la land mm. which i think is was pretty big in hollywood uh, main, mainly because it's about Hollywood and it kind of takes the mickey out of itself. Um, it kind of praises itself and takes the mickey out of itself at the same time. It, I don't think British audiences fully understood it, um, so it's much more Marmite here. But Another Day of Sun, um, I, I picked this because I, I do actually love musicals. Um, I think they're in a, a really interesting genre. Um, there's like a basic plot and then it stops every so often... A little bit of dialogue, it stops, and then they have a song about it, you know, and that's quite weird when you actually think about it. Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, this particular one is uh, Another Day of Sun. It's We'll all remember it if you've seen the film. It's the one where right at the beginning um, you've got the mundanity of everyday life 
and people stuck in their cars. Someone starts to sing, and then eventually they all get out of their cars and start dancing on the roof. Um, someone opens a, a van, and there's a jazz band in there playing away. And, and it's all these flights of fancy we have, and it's all about you know chasing the dream of Hollywood, which uh, <clears throat> ultimately for for the two people, it's a bit like the first song. Um, they get what they want, but it's not quite what they want because to, to chase their dream, they have to sort of separate and then they, they fall out of love and they have other people and they meet again and they realise that actually the dream wasn't really worth it. Um, so uh, this is just a really uplifting song, kind of transports you to California, <laughs> traffic jam in California. But um, it's just, again, I've I tried to think about my audience as well uh, tonight, you know, in the sense that it's sort of Monday night and I've tried to do some more uplifting songs. I've avoided Radiohead and R.E.M. and some of these songs <laughs> just to be happy. But um, yeah, it's just to do my love of musicals and this is a really lovely song. Sounds very, you know, considerate. And, you know, let's, let's hear it now. Thank you, Mr. Johnson.
nice little climax to, to um, you know, kind of head towards the end of the evening here. Um, so, no, a nice little uplifting Monday night song from Mr. Johnson. Thank you. Um, now, Mr. Johnson, obviously, you're kind of, it appears your, your destiny, really, through your kind of factory work and your, um, your uni uh, and your kind of um, culture and languages has led you to teaching, which is really, really cool. Um, so talk to me a little, about, a little bit about your teaching journey, um, kind of soon after your kind of um, factory gig that we were talking about last time. Um, how, yeah, how have you kind of gone from there to, well, really, Bryanston? Um, well, I, I went to Bournemouth School, the grammar school locally here, the boys' one. Um, and I was there about four years, and that's where I trained. And um, I think there, it's a very, it's a very academic school, and um, you know, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I suppose I am quite academic myself, um, and I was very, very happy there. And I could have stayed there a long time. Um, so I was just looking through the Times Educational Supplements, which was on the desk uh, in the staff room. <clears throat> and I saw a job for Bryanston, and I knew, I, I knew about Bryanston because I'd taken a tennis trip there once for, for a colleague who couldn't make it. And I'd had a very nice uh, afternoon eating cake and drinking tea by uh, you know on the on the grass courts, mm. and that was my only sort of interface with the place. And um, obviously, you know, aesthetically that was very very nice. It was such a lovely setting, and you know, so privileged to have those courts. But what really struck me was the relationship between the coach, who was a member of staff. It, he wasn't a, you know, um, an outside coach. It was a, a, a reasonably senior member of staff who's now left, and the pupils. And I thought, wow, that's that's that sounds great. That, that's that's how I, you know, I, I I'd love to work in a place like that. And 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 the you know the, the job came was there, and I I took it. Uh, I took the chance and um, haven't looked back really. So I've been here about twenty two years. Um, I'd never expected to be here for more than five, um, but I, sp- I think I stayed a long time. And, and people say why, and, and I say, well, I haven't stayed because it's easy. Um, you know, it's it's a challenging environment, but that's kind of um, where I think you get the most out of yourself and can do the most when it is challenging. So, um, you know. W- I suppose we work hard, but um, there are great rewards for working here and meeting people like yourself and uh, doing this sort of thing. So, um, you know, I think we can all have bad days and it's very easy to moan. But, you know, when you look around, you know, just just take out of yourself for a moment and look around. And actually, we're very lucky and privileged to work here and be here. So I think, like all things, just make the most of it while it lasts. Definitely no, and I think that that advice, that kind of last sentence that you just that you said, could really, I feel like Bryanston pupils in general could really um, kind of adhere and kind of listen to that that piece of advice. I feel like it's super uh, inspiring and motivating. Um, so no, thank you. Um, and was was Bryanston really your kind of first teaching kind of experience, or had you had any uh, experience at all before that, or you're really thrown in the deep end? Yeah, well, no, I've been to the Bournemouth School for four or five years oh, where I trained right, first. Yes, yeah, course, yeah. yeah. And, um, but it was very different because I worked in Beechwood, um, and I lived in Beechwood. I, I think it had just been converted to have a, a, a kind of teacher resident as opposed to just an Australian gap year. And they're, they're great, by the way, you know. Um, but obviously having a qualified teacher as well who's a bit older um and i was i, I was with uh, duncan fowler watt and um, i was only in there for two years um but i they're amongst my happiest times here and i learned a lot from him um as a housemaster and I, I think we were a very good team 
and uh, you know there were some very happy times. I moved out after that, and um, I think I was living in a bar or a pool and commuting in, and um, you know, and I, I was then I was head of French, and you know, and then I became head of languages. Then I've, since then I've been you know head of French again, head of German for a while, um, senior tutor, um, and, and various roles. So. Again, my, my sister-in-law says to me, how can you work at the same, do the same job for 20 years? And I said, well, you know, if any two days were the same, I'd, I'd agree with you. That's that's quite a strange thing to have done, you know. <clears throat> but you know, there's so much change and variety. Um, a new cohort of pupils is, is a new opportunity to forge those relationships and hopefully make a bit of a difference. And, um, you know, Bryanston doesn't stand still either, does it? It's always, it's always a new building or a new initiative or, or Bry Radio. Um, lots going on. And, you know, working with um, Bryanston pupils, they're, they're interesting. Um, you know, the tutorial pupils, the, that's, that's great, that one-to-one relationship. You've got a great tutor. You know, um, actually, I need to mention Doc Carney because um, th- th- this fifth song coming up was really hard because I tried very hard to make it not Coldplay, and th- that's in his honour. Okay, because I, I, I think our friendship could be slightly affected had it been Coldplay. So I, I went for something else. Okay, no, that's so considerate. I'm sure if he's listening, uh, oh, well, if, even if he's not, I'll, I'll mention. You've just you got know. to come up. <laughs> I've got, I'll, Week I'll six tutorial. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and one final question before we get on to your, um, your, your fifth and final song, which isn't Coldplay, everyone. <laughs> not Coldplay. Um, is, so you mentioned about, um, you know, kind of your happiest times, some of them being in Beach, which is, mm. you know, really, really lovely. Mm. Um, are there any other, well, in your 22 years, any other kind of really key moments that flag up to you as you're thinking, you know, wow, you know, that was, you know, these are some of the happiest moments that I've had here, really. What, what else would you say that those um, would be? I mean, happy, I mean, you know, I, I've generally been very happy because if I wasn't, you know, I'd have perhaps gone done something else in my life. But um, so I think and take that as read. But the, in terms of experiences at Bryanston, um, I think one of them was when I took, took a trip back to Berlin again, <clears throat> took a trip to Berlin and... Um, it actually sounds very sad, and it is, but we went round a, um, a concentration camp, uh, which is just to the north of Berlin, and um, it was explained to us extremely well by this guide. And, you know, it was there was nothing particularly subject-oriented about it. It was obviously a trip, a day trip out. But in terms of an educational experience, it was just really humbling to see how well this was done. And, um, you know... The difference that I think it made to those people's understanding of, of humanity and, and, and also, you know, all the associated uh, questions that go with that was 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 superb. I've had great days on the sports field. Um, I remember my, I think my first weekend at Bryanston, um, it was my my first or second weekend. I was doing the under fourteen A's cricket team, and um, I mean I can't claim a lot of credit for this because I'd hardly taught them how to hold a bat you know um i have to thank the prep schools but we're playing camford at home and i think we were 168 for zero um and that was a good moment i have to say that was probably the top end of my cricketing career here but that was a lovely moment because um you know it's the local rivals and it's such a great score and and those cricketers went on to do good things um as well 
So, you know, that, little things like that always stick in the memory. It's a pretty devastating score if you ask. If yeah. you ask me, there's not really much recovery from Yeah, from Marshall and Gibbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. And, you know, Mr. Johnson, I just really, you know, want to thank you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I think this probably draws um, our third episode of Brian and Discs to, to an been end been a great pleasure. Thank you. Um, and sorry we've slightly overrun um, everyone listening at home. But, no, thank you again for coming out um, and... Um, uh, accompanying us here this evening thank you um we'll be back after half term everyone have a wonderful half term we'll be back for the i think it's the 31st of october thank you very much everyone and have a wonderful evening i, I love the colorful clothes you wear and the way the sunlight plays upon her hair Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.